Apostolic Church Fathers. Welcome to Practical Rambling Fathers. Today we're going to talk about the first section um, of the Apostolic Church Fathers, um, the timeline. So we're going to talk about two in particular, Clement and Polycarp. And so Father Tate is going to talk about uh, Clement, who he was, Clement of Rome, and then I'll talk about Polycarp and who he was. Correct. So Pope Clement is actually, <clears throat> and he has awesome writings, because Pope Clement will be considered as um, you know, the, the fourth pope during that time, very close to the, to the succession of St. Peter. And St. Clement of Rome is known for his writings, especially to the community of, uh, of Corinth. We were and, the fourth pope. Yep, he was the fourth pope. And the reason why I'm very excited to talk about him, because when we, we often group church fathers, we think of them as old, outdated, and in antiquity. There's no way what they're writing has, you know, pertinent information to us today. But that's false. If you go on to new, newadvent.org, it contains, and click on the tab that says Fathers, you'll see a lot of his writings and even some of the history, of which I will share some of the background history with you right now. So the people of Corinth were having a hard time. They're very similar to the people of today, which means is I want to follow Jesus, and I want to give my life to Jesus, but if there's a new idea that comes by that fits with my lifestyle, so what's wrong with, with accepting that? And Pope St. Clement says, no. That's not true Christianity. Christianity isn't meant to be a cushy lifestyle. If you're looking for a cushy lifestyle, then you're looking in the wrong place. Because Christ has died and given his life for us. And one of the beautiful parts about these early church fathers is their love of scriptures. If you read his writings called Letter of Letter to the Corinthians, written by Pope St. Clement I, he talks about praising the people of Corinth, saying, you know, St. Paul had a lot of success with you guys because your faith is there. And when you allow yourself to shine, it's beautiful. But I'm writing to you is because I see kind of the, the division that's happening within your community right now. There's a lot of jealousy and envy creeping amongst those Christians who are very popular and those who are not. And he's saying, don't let that be the dividing thing with you guys. He said, as a whole community, Christ has asked us to be united as brothers and sisters of Christ. And we're, we're both called to make each other holy and to be accountable for that. And so one of the things that he speaks about he, uh, right away, he says, there's many evils coming from the sin of envy and jealousy. And he talks about Cain, how Cain was so jealous that Abel found favor with God instead of him, that he, we, know all know, we all know the outcome of the story, right? he killed his brother because of it. So St. Clement of Rome is telling the people, saying, no, you have the truth. Don't be won over by these false prophets or these ideas that claim to be the fullness of God because they're not. He says, we have evidence from the scriptures of how we should live our life for God. And our faith is, is the number one thing. And, one, and, the one, and the other things that he writes about uh, very beautifully, too, is about the virginity and all these other things. And so if you look at it, you know, not much has changed. <laughs> the same sins exist back then as they do now. And one of the things that he writes about to the Corinth is saying, besides envy and jealousy, is this our brokenness of our humanity. We like to rebel, especially against those who have authority over us. And he's reminding them, saying, God loves us. He doesn't lord his power over us. He's a loving father. 
And sometimes as a loving father, when your children are straying away from the truth, you correct them saying, that's not the truth, and this is why you're being led astray. And so because of that action, it could seem as they're being strict or confining your freedom. But St. Clement of Rome says that's not the case. He's saying that's why we look to Christ. He was his example of humility, and he goes on to list the different other saints that have shown themselves to be humble and how they allowed God to work in their life, such as the prophets, Elisha, Elijah, and King David, of course. We can go on and on and on. But the beautiful part about St. Clement is that he's speaking the truth today. We, we are experiencing a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy, a lot of divisive remarks that are tearing our nations and our country apart. So how fitting that we're talking about right now, especially the upcoming elections. The two political parties were never meant to be that divisive, right? Just as our faith. We're meant to be united under the banner of Christ. But yet, because of envy and jealousy, we've, we've learned to pull people to different factions and whoever has the more supporter wins the day. But St. Clement reminds us that's not how faith operates. Because overall we're created in God's image and likeness. God's not created in our image and likeness, which means I have an eternal identity <laughs> with God. Um, and uh, truth is what he says it is, not what I think it is. Correct. So I can't argue with eternal life and with God on what truth is. Um, so we're created in his image and likeness and so to live that out I was given it to live it out um, alright so is that it is there any other quotes that you want to bring up Father Tay sure one thing that he talks about is I thought it was really cool is he uses the quotes from Proverbs chapters 20 verse 27 the spirit of the Lord is a candle searching the secret parts of the belly now that sounds kind of funny of why, why are they mentioning the belly? Because it was the belief back then that our brokenness, our humanity was often linked to the weakness of the body. So we think from our stomachs, right? The stomachs of actual food, so we can become gluttonous. Or from our passions, you know, sexual desires and, and all these things. But the Spirit of the Lord is a candle, right? The Spirit of the Lord is within us. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that get, helps form our conscience saying we are searching for God, we are searching for truth. So in order for us to be united, we need humility and to obey God since we are made the image and likeness of God. Not that God is made <laughs> in in our image and likeness. No, no, no. It's the other way around. And because of that, when we learn to depend on God, we will achieve greater humility and greater freedom from what he has to offer to us. Right. I think right now in our culture, we're definitely running into consumerism, the God of consumerism, just to consume stuff versus just to be yeah. content. Because um, it's easier. to be created in yeah. God's likeness, so we can just receive and be open to that dynamic. If we train ourselves to that, the other is true also. Mm-hmm. And now we right. get to hear a really cool story about St. Polycarp. So I'm very jealous, but Father Brown's been doing an awesome job, so take it away. Okay, so I was talking to Bishop Quinn actually about our podcast here that Father Tay and I started, and Bishop Quinn was like, oh, you got to tell him about the story of Polycarp, and I was like, I sort of remembered it from school, kind of, a little bit, but um, there's actual writing of the account of his martyrdom, um, which is just fantastic, so we're going to go through this letter, it's on um, New Advent, we'll put the link in it if you want to read it yourself, but I'm just going to take a few quotes out of it, you get the general gist of who 
St. Polycarp is, martyrdom. So he, um, so he's a martyr, but how it came to be was he was, um, the community was being persecuted, being persecuted, being persecuted. More and more people were being martyred, and um, everyone tried to, uh, you know, no one, nobody, everyone tried to be stay faithful to the Lord during the time of persecution. And Polycarp himself actually had, uh, and, uh, had a dream that in three days, his, so he was having a dream, he fell asleep. And he woke up and his pillow was on fire. <laughs> yep. Um, and he basically turned to everyone that was there and said, uh, I'm going to be burned to death. I'm going to die. And it's going to be in flame. I'm going to be burned alive. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, let's pray. And he's like, yep, let's pray. So prayed, prayed some more. Um, and then he... There's a in the letter. There's a a man called um, Germanius who provoked uh, the wild beast, attracted him. He died um, a martyr, um, uh, and so that he could escape. I love this. Um, for then, uh, where is it? He attracted the wild beast to himself and provoked it being desirous to escape all the more quickly from the unrighteous and impious world, but upon the whole multitude, marveling at the nobility of mind displayed by the devout and godly race of Christian, cried out, Away with the atheists, let Polycarp be sought. So they come and they're like, Polycarp is the guy that we have to take down of this um, community, because if I take out the shepherd, the sheep will run. And so they go after Polycarp, where Polycarp has this departed vision, I must be burnt alive. Prophetically says, I will be burnt alive. So um, they're trying to find him in the city, um, going from place to place. They find out where he's at. Um, he moves beforehand, but they find two youth that are there. And one of them, both of them being subjected to torture, one of them confesses, uh, where he is, where his Polycarp is hiding, and essentially um, they hasten to Polycarp's place, and he's upstairs. This is the best. So he's upstairs praying, um, and all these people are going out to get him against a robber, right? Just as they went after Jesus, goes after a robber, brings weapons, brings all these things, and he got to the place there evening, found him lying in the upper room in a certain little house that he might escape to another place. But uh, the people around Polycarp were like, we got to leave, we got to go. And he goes, nope, I refuse. Um, is the will, the will of God be done? And so I'm going to stay. And so they marveled. Um, <laughs> the best. So they came to where he was at. He heard them coming. He goes down the stairs and he says, um, he basically has this conversation with them. You know, they themselves are asking, was it so much effort for us to capture this such a venerable man? And immediately, in that very hour, he ordered something for them to be drunk and set before them to eat. As as much indeed they cared for him, and he and he besought them, allowing him an hour to pray without disturbance. So essentially, he comes down the stairs, says, "What can I get you to be hospitable for food and for drink?" 
and then give me one hour to not be disturbed, and I'm going to go pray. So they left him alone. They let him. They ate and drank, and he stood and prayed, being full of grace of God, so that he um, so that he could not cease for two hour, full hours. To the astonishment of those who heard him, much began. Many began to repent that they had come forth against so godly and venerable old man. All right, so that's how they capture him, and then he's brought into the city. And um, Polycarp is again and again brought in, or into the stadium, and uh, the witnesses with him heard this voice from heaven. Nobody knew who said it. Be strong and show yourself a man, O Polycarp. Um, the brethren that were with him heard that, and he himself. And so he is um, a time in ten by the... Um, uh, pro, what is it? Pro consul, yep, pro consul, uh, to deny himself, um, saying things of has respect for your old age, mm-hmm. right? According to their custom, swear forth by the fortunes of Caesar's, repent and say, away with the atheists. Polycarp's gazing with a stern countenance on many multitudes of the wicked heathens, then in the stadium and waving his hands toward them. While with a groan he looked up to the heavens and said, Away with the atheists. Then the proscribe urging him, saying, Swear, and I shall set you at liberty. Reproach Christ. Polycarp declared, Eighty-six years I have served him, and never did me any an injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? So again, the... The, the, the procurator goes against him again and says, Swear by the fortunes of Caesar. And he answers, Since you are vainly urgent that, as I say, awesome. I should swear by the fortunes of Caesar's and pretend not to know who and what I am, declare me, hear me declare with boldness, I am a Christian. And if you wish to learn the doctrines of Christianity, what the doctrines of Christianity are, appoint me a day, and you shall hear them. So here this man is trying to urgently kill Polycarp, and Polycarp is saying, hey, if you want to know what Christianity is all about, I'll tell you who Jesus is and what Christianity is all about. Appoint me a day. I'll let you know. And he goes, okay, well, persuade the crowds, right? Persuade the people. And this is interesting, and this is kind of what Father Tay was just talking about, too. To you I have sought it right to offer my account of my faith, for I, that we are taught to give all due honor, which entails no injury upon ourselves, to the powers and authorities that are ordained by God. So essentially saying, because you're in charge of me and because God has ordained you being in charge of me, I am giving an account of my faith to you for that honor. But to these, I do not deem worthy to receive an account of me. And so he's saying, the general populace, they don't have, they don't have anything over me. I don't, I don't have them do um, honor to give them worthy account of me. And so he's like, I don't need to do that, essentially. So he's like, I'm not going to persuade the people to try to save me. And then this is awesome. There's no effect on Polycarp with these, with these threats. 
So then the prosecutor says, I have wild beasts at hand. To these I will cast you unless you repent. But he answered, Call them then, for we are not accustomed to repent of what is good in order to adopt that which is evil. Who does that? And it is well for me to be changed from what is evil to what is righteous. We should take a pause there. Like, can you imagine that? You know you're going to die, and yet you're so calm, you're like, yeah, bring it on. Like, who does that? Well, even he goes, he goes even further. He goes, my life has been good. I've been, you know, I've been living a life of virtue and of prayer and helping your community, helping the community and doing all these things. Right. It would be evil for me to stop that and to do what you're asking of me. So, um... This even just saying, my life is good. Mm-hmm. I've done good. Why would I trade that in for evil at the moment of death? And then this is this is great. But again, he said to him, I will cause you to be consumed by fire, seeing you despise the wild beast, if you will not repent. But Polycarp said, this is awesome. <laughs> Get ready for this one. This This takes the cake, I think. You threaten me with fire which burns for an hour, and after a little is extinguished, but are ignorant of the fire of coming judgment and of eternal punishment, reserved for the ungodly. But why do you tarry? Bring forth what you will. Boom! That's amazing. Like, I'm going to be burned alive. Awesome. Perfect. Um, are you ignorant of the eternal fire? Like, I love that. It burns for only an hour and then it's extinguished versus the eternal unfinished. So anyways, so then eventually, right, eventually Polycarp um, is sentenced to burn by the end of it. Um, He turns about prophetically saying to the faithful that dream that he had, I must be burned alive. So this um, funeral pile is erected um, and Everyone, all the, you know, Jews and um, Greeks want to kill him. And so they're, like, running from thing to thing, trying to get all this wood built up to burn him. Um, and then he says, this is interesting, they're going to nail him to the fi- the funeral pillar, the pylon. And he goes, don't nail me. This is what he says. Um, but when they were about to fix him with nails, he said... Leave me as I am, for he that gives me strength to endure the fire will also enable me, without your securing me by nails, to remain without moving in the pile. So they didn't nail him, they simply bound him to the pile, and then he begins, uh, and he places his hand behind him, being bound like a distinct, a distinguished ram taken out of the great flock for sacrifice and prepared an acceptable burnt offerings unto God, looked up to heaven, and this was his prayer to God as he was about to be burned. O Lord God Almighty, Father, for your beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the knowledge of you and the God of angels and powers, and of every creature, and of the whole race of righteous who live before you, I give you thanks that you have counted me worthy of this day, 
and this hour, that I should have a part in the number of your martyrs, in the cup of your Christ, to the resurrection of eternal life, both of soul and body, through the incorruption imparted by the Holy Ghost, among whom may I accept this day before you as a fat and acceptable sacrifice, according you as you to ever truthful God for ordained for have have foreordained have revealed before to me now have fulfilled. Wherefore also I praise you for all things. I bless you, glorify you, along with everlasting and heavenly Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, with whom, to whom, and the Holy Ghost be glory, both now and forever, ages unending. Amen. So that's as he's pray that's his prayer. He's thanking the Lord that he's about to be consumed by fire on top of this pylon that he's not nailed to, but simply tied to. Alright, so then this is the cool and tricky part. This is, this is the uh, suspend uh, what we know of um, physics. Uh, when it had pronounced Amen, he so finished the prayer and was appointed the, po- the purpose of the fire to be kindled. It was blazed and a great fury rose up we to whom it was given to witness it beheld a great, the great miracle. And it had been preserved that we, that it had, have been preserved that we might report to others what took place, what then took place. For the fire shaped itself into the form of an arch, like a sail of a ship, when filled with wind, encompassed as by a circle, the body of the martyr, and he appeared within it, not like flesh which is burnt, but like, but as bread that is baked, or as gold and silver glowing in a furnace. Moreover, we perceived such a sweet odor coming from the pile, as if frankincense or more such precious spices had been smoking there. So they went, they lit him on fire and smelt of bread baking and looked like silver or gold in a furnace and precious spices or frankincense that were lit in the fire, which is not the smell of human bodies when you burn them. So that is an amazing, great miracle indeed. At length, so this is the great thing, at length, those wicked men perceived that his body could not be consumed by fire. So he wasn't even dying inside of this fire. He was totally okay. He was totally fine inside this fire. They commanded an execution to go near and pierce him through with a dagger. (laughs) And on doing this, there came forth a dove and a great quantity of blood, Mm. so that the fire was extinguished. And all the people wondered that there should be such a difference between the unbeliever and the elect, of whom this most admirable Polycarp was one. Having their own times been an apostolic and prophetic teacher, the bishop of the Catholic Church, which is in Sumerian, for every word that went out from his mouth had had been or shall be accomplished. So then, so he's essentially stabbed inside this pylon, and then um, 
the Christians are refused after that um, to his body um, and then eventually they get the body and uh, the centurion seeing that the strife excited by the Jews placed the body in the midst of the fire and consumed it accordingly afterwards took up his bone as being more precious than the most exquisite jewels more purified than gold deposited them in a fitting place whether being gathered together whether being gathered together as an opportunity is allowed us with joy and rejoicing the lord granted us to celebrate the anniversary of his martyrdom both in memory of those who had already finished their course and for exercising the preparation of those yet to walk in their steps. Boom! Wow, they don't make that many anymore. I <laughs> know, uh, right? That's crazy. I love it. So good. But it brings up a good point, right? Even though we're not suffering martyrdom, like St. Polycarp, but they're, they're, they're still that appealing part to it, right? For our faith. You know, especially for especially for men and women, like we want to die for a good purpose. We want to die for our faith. So, how do we continue to be courageous like Polycarp in today's world? Yeah, how do we stay faithful under the hard going, the constant barrage? Right. I love how many times he was attempted to uh, revile Christ or revile that he's a Christian. He's like, no, more boldly. He just kept going and going and going, and. Yeah, he's very clear about what his end goal is. I love that. 80, 60 years I have served him and never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Yeah, you don't hear that kind of dedication anymore. It's kind of sad. Well, you do, but I don't know if we would be able to say say that that boldly towards these different... Correct, correct. But declared, I am the witness. I love that. If you wish to learn the doctrines of Christianity, just let me know. Today, let me know. I'm you're trying me for my death, but if you want to know about Jesus, I would love to tell you about Jesus and Christianity and the doctrines and everything about this church. Uh, let's just let me know. Yeah, I might be dead in a day. I might be dead today. But let me know. It's well, up to you. Let's grab some caribou and we'll chat before I gotta yeah. go. I mean, <laughs> if after I'm done talking to you, you want to kill me anyways, go for it. But I'm here. Let me know. You know, that's amazing. Do what you can. That just shows you like how one's life can change when one experiences the love of God, right? It takes you to the next step. Like mm-hmm. our life will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And this isn't faked at all. Like he's dying. He knows it. He grabbed these dreams, and these things are written by hand witnesses. You know, they're not making this stuff up. You can't. There's too many accounts of different church fathers who suffer this type of martyrdom. No. So that's amazing. So that, that's kind of our, our encouragement for you, brothers and sisters of Christ, who are listening to this podcast. That as Christians, we're meant not to live in a comfortable life, but to we're meant to live greatly for Jesus Christ. So, no. Speaking of which, uh, didn't you order some coffee mugs? What's that I one quote? What's that one quote from St. Therese? St. Therese, you, can, you can't... What is it? You can't be a... If you... You're either a saint or not a saint at all. Yeah, there's no half saint. You either go for it or you don't. No. And that's the story of St. Polycarp. Like, you're in it or you're not. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's in it. I love that, too. Like, he knows he's... Okay, so first off, find the wild beast. Okay, then we're going to burn you. Yep. (laughs) 
Okay, well, a fire only burns for an hour, and then it's extinguished, you know. That's bravery. Um, That's real grace of God coming through. That's amazing. <laughs> Instead of the eternal punishment, the fire of eternal punishment for the reserved for the ungodly. As you can but see, why do you tarry? I love that. Why do you, I can just, you know, bring it on. Why do you tarry? Bring why it you on. just bring it, bring your will, whatever. <laughs> like, I already, you know, the Lord's asking this of me. Amen. So. You can tell we're very excited because these guys have awesome stories. And you, you never know what church fathers can appeal to you. Maybe there's certain things that in your life you want to know more about or you're struggling, struggling with. The early church fathers were real. They'll tell you. What things they're going through, what hardships, and you saw, you heard from first account of St. Polycarp. You know, how he had the grace of God to know and prepare for his death three days prior. So the same can happen to you know to all of us. And the more that we place our trust in God, the more our lives can change. And God has given this beautiful saints and church fathers as inspiration for the future. <laughs> so, so that's my question for all of you, right? What can what can we do now? to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and by the lives of these church fathers. So thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you greatly enjoy it. Um, we've learned valuable lessons from St. Clement, the unity of the church, the humility um, to combat envy and jealousy, and to know that God, Christ always teaches the truth. Don't be swayed by any new uh, ideas or philosophies of the world. But most importantly, because of Christ's life entering into our hearts, we can be changed and made into awesome, courageous men like Polycarp, you know, on his death. And he writes all these things to inspire his future brothers and sisters of Christ, saying, don't worry, they can harm us with the fire that lasts only an hour. Who says that? Right? But you're ignorant of the fire that lasts for an eternity. And that's where it is. Where does the heart lie? Is it lying in the heart of Christ? Or is it still clung to the to this to the clutches of this world? So thank you so much for listening to us. We hope you continue to be inspired by this podcast. We hope we pray that they're very useful for you too as well. So thank you so much and tune in for the next episode. And this sake, sake, holy friends, my friends. Thanks for listening. Bye.